I want to bring your attention to Jude chapter 1. It's the book right before the book of Revelation. And I want to go to Jude chapter 1 and I want to start at verse 3. The scripture states, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. At verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pay attention to verse 3, where the scripture states that we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And at verse 4, it states the reason why we are to contend for the faith, because there are certain men that crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. And we learn that they are ungodly men. And Jude also tells us that they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And I want you to pay attention to what else Jude tells us. He states that they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. To make it clear, they are denying the Father and the Son. He's saying that we are to earnestly contend for the faith, the faith that consists of the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. He's telling us to contend for the faith that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob glorified his son, Jesus Christ, the one that they slew and hung on a tree. He's telling us to contend for the faith that consists of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and his ascension into the heavens, and that now he is exalted, and that he is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession. Why? Because he forever liveth to make intercession for his saints, for his elect. He's telling us to contend for the faith that Jesus Christ is going to come back for the church at the end. He's telling us to contend for this. He's telling us to contend for the faith, not to be buddy-buddy with falsehood, not to, you know, go along with false doctrine or just, you know, like I need fellowship with people. So let me just go fellowship with these guys. You know, I know that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I know that these guys are preaching another doctrine concerning Jesus, but let me just go fellowship with them. The Bible does not say this. The scripture says to contend for the faith. When you're contending for the faith, sometimes you may have to stand in a corner and be by yourself. You may not get along with everybody. You may not be friends with everybody. Some people may classify you as a heretic. They may classify you as a blasphemer. They may state that you don't know God and that you left truth. When you contend for the faith according to the scriptures, Jesus told us that we would suffer many things for his name's sake. That we would suffer many things for following the Son of Man. That there would be times when people would uh, toss us away and say all manners of evil against us. Why? For his sake. That's why they're going to talk bad about us and say all manner of wicked and evil things regarding us because of our belief in Jesus Christ. But a very specific belief concerning Jesus Christ and that he is the son of God, that God made him 
Lord and Christ. And I want to go down to verse 4. And I want to read this again. Okay. It states that for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Pay attention to that. He stated that they are turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, the question is, what is lasciviousness? Now, lasciviousness, uh, it could mean a variety of different things. It is, it could be referred to as offensive or contrary behavior or anything that is the opposite of appropriate behavior. So, when they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness, remember, the grace of God came upon us. How? He sent his only begotten son, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. That's the grace of God. That now we have been redeemed back to God. We have been reconciled back unto God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. But the scripture states that they turned that grace into lasciviousness. And they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When they state that, ah, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was no good. His sacrifice, ah, he had to have been God for this sacrifice to have been uh, uh, acceptable. If he wasn't God, then that sacrifice is no good to us. He had to have been God. But then when you ask them a simple question, can God die? They say, of course, God can't die. So then they switch it and say, well, the father's human nature or God, the son's human nature died, but God didn't die. And then they contradict themselves. Then they tie themselves in a rabbit hole. When they continue to state that uh, God came down, God came down and he robed himself in flesh and he called himself a son. That's when they deny the father and the son, because every time that they say that the father is the son, they're saying that God does not have a son which is contrary to sound doctrine. Saints, it is time that we learn sound doctrine and false doctrine. We must test the spirit of every doctrine that we hear. The doctrine that I'm uh, teaching right now, test the spirit of it according to the scriptures. Test it, not according to what we've heard down through the years. But test it according to the scriptures and see whether what we're saying is biblically aligned or it's scripturally aligned with the word of God. We have to make sure that we believe the word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and that we're not adding to it. We're not taking away because when you take away from it, God will take away your part in the book of life. That's what happens when you add to his word. And you could actually go to Revelation chapter 22. Uh, verses 18 through 19 and you could actually read that but going back to Jude I want you to pay attention there is a deception that is going on in the land and it is sweeping the body of Christ those that are not steadfast and rooted in the doctrine of Christ they're being swept from off of their feet and they're following after strange doctrine strange fire and as believers that have truth that whole truth, we are to earnestly contend for the faith. 
we are to earnestly contend for what was written. When we read the book of Acts, you have to understand that the reason why many of the Jews were upset with the teachings of the apostles was not because of a Trinitarian doctrine. It wasn't because of a oneness doctrine, but because they preached that they crucified the one that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that God sent to be the king of Israel, the seed of David, the seed of Jesse. They were upset over that. They didn't like hearing that, that this uh, Jew, this Jew is the king of Israel. They didn't like hearing that this man that came and, and, and he came and contradicted many of our traditions of men with the word of God, that he's the king of the Jews. Even today, when I talk to those that are Jewish and I let them know that, yes, Yesu, or some say Yeshua, I let them know that, yes, he was the son of Elohim, that he was the son of David. He was the king of Israel. And I let them know that the Elohim of Abraham, Ishraq, and Yaakov raised Yeshua HaMashiach from the dead. And they fight me today still. They fight me. They say that I'm anti-Semitic. I don't respect religions. But woe unto me if I don't preach unto you the gospel, if I don't tell you the truth. I don't want your blood on my hands. I have to let you know the truth that God sent his son, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that if you believe on him, you'll have everlasting life. I have to tell you that. But I want you to understand that once sound doctrine is rooted inside of us, sound doctrine that cannot be condemned, we won't be out here. Uh, uh, fellowshipping with false doctrine, supporting false doctrine, or, or saying amen to false doctrine. Once you realize how serious this is, that the spirit of Antichrist is sweeping the land, every time that somebody states that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is no good unless he was God, unless he was the Father, unless he was God the Son, a part of the Trinity, every time that they say that, they're denying their savior. They're denying the one that God sent. And I want you to pay attention. And I'll say this again. We must contend, earnestly contend. A lot of us are scared. We're scared to leave our church. We're scared to, you know, talk to our pastors. Um, we're scared to talk to, you know, many brothers and sisters around us because we're scared to be rejected for this belief that Jesus is the son of God. But let me tell you something. When I first came into this belief, I was scared to tell people, and I'll be honest with you, you know, how could I come from preaching oneness that Jesus Christ is God the Father to now preaching that, no, he's not the Father, he's the Father's Son? How could I go from preaching that doctrine to where all of the oneness community was backing me, the apostolics loved me, but when I heard the preaching of the Son of God, I'll never forget, it was in November, and it's crazy because um, after my 20th birthday, I preached a sermon the next day in my oneness church. I preached a sermon. And coincidentally, the next month, God had it for me to hear the teaching of the Son of God in another oneness church. You know, the minister came from Mississippi. Um, <laughs> people were, um, they were expecting him to preach the oneness doctrine. But he came and he preached the Son of God, man. And when my eyes came open to that, I couldn't go back 
to oneness. I can't go back to oneness, even if I tried, <laughs> because the word of God is, is just so clear to me now that I see it. I see it so clearly now. It's like the scales were removed from my eyes and God had mercy on me and God loosed me from the bondage of my denomination and from the teachings of these prominent oneness uh, scholars. God loosed me from that and he revealed his son in me. And I'm forever grateful for that because God could have kept me in that bondage, in those lies. Uh, he could have kept me in that faith where I was continuing to deny his son and state that the son of God was just a flesh suit, a costume. But God had it to where he revealed his son in me. And sometimes I don't know why, but he did it. He did it to me. And that's why I'm preaching this now on this podcast and it's dedicated to teaching the son of God. That way others can see it as well. You have to understand that when I first came into this understanding, I didn't want people to know. Back when I was in college, there was actually an apostolic club, a UPC club, and I still went there. And I remember one night we had a Bible study. And it's crazy because and I actually sent a video to a sister like a few days ago where a street preacher was actually preaching. And a lady came up to him and asked him, are you apostolic? And then, you know, he let the young lady know that, you know, there are no denominations. They do believe in Acts 238. But. They are not apostolic. You know, they just believe the word of God. And many times when individuals claim a denomination, pride fills their heart. And during this time, you know, the word of God was finally making sense to me and God was revealing his son in me. And I was finally getting to understand who Jesus Christ is according to the scripture. And I was leaving my denomination, my apostolic faith behind. And I remember I was in this Bible study and they invited a Trinitarian. And the love of Christ is not shown to that young lady. Instead, they said she had no revelation. They said she had no understanding. And the thing about it during that time was since God was revealing his son to me, they were arguing the young lady, her parents were pastors in Kojic. If you don't know what Kojic is, Kojic is the church of God in Christ. So she was raised a Trinitarian Pentecostal or a Pentecostal Trinitarian. Any way you want to put it. And she came to the Oneness Club. You know, um, she came to the Oneness Bible study. And once they found out that she was a Trinitarian, they were going back and forth, both trying to prove their false doctrines. And I'll never forget, a young lady from the Oneness Club did ask, saying, everyone in here does believe that Jesus Christ is God, right? And I kept my mouth shut. I kept my mouth shut. Why? Because I was scared. You know, I didn't want people thinking nothing of me to where, you know, they wanted to isolate uh, fellowship from me or they wanted to separate from me. But as I matured in this belief and I became more confident in this belief, people have forsaken me or followed me, left me, stopped talking to me, stopped fellowshipping with me. And look, I'd rather be friends with Jesus than be friends with man-made fellowship, man-made denomination, man-made religion. I have to contend for what's written because my soul is on the line. Others' souls are on the line. That's why I contend for this. We can't be ashamed of this. We can't be ashamed to be uh, a put out of churches. We can't be ashamed for the persecution that comes with believing the word of God. We can't be ashamed for contending for the scriptures. 
a lot of us were going to churches and we know that they preach against Jesus Christ. We know that their beliefs are not according to scripture, but because we just want to fellowship and we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, we just keep our mouths shut. But that's not what the Bible said. It's said to contend for the faith. And I understand it's difficult for a lot of us to truly walk in this truth. A lot of us, when we first heard this, we rejected it and we said, man, that's crazy. But when God begins to deal with you and he begins to reveal to you this truth, you can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You have to either accept it or you have to willfully reject it. On the day of judgment, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we have to give an account for everything that we believed and taught, we cannot tell the Lord Jesus Christ that, oh, the reason why we believed in the Trinity was because Michael Brown told us this, or the reason why we believed in oneness was because we heard David Bernard say this or that. On the day of judgment, you're responsible for your soul. And you must believe on Jesus Christ as the scriptures has said. The Lord showed us too much. He revealed to us too much. He provided us with too much knowledge for us to turn back on this truth. When you read the scriptures and everything just begins to make sense, how could you forsake such a fellowship? How could you forsake such a covenant just to be buddy-buddy with a denomination? I can't do that. But like I said, and I'll say this again, those that are coming into this knowledge and this understanding, don't be ashamed of it. Don't deny it. Don't try and put it under the carpet. I've got into many disputes, and I'll be honest, some unfruitful disputes over this doctrine. There are times when people may call you names and your flesh may want to react, but you have to remember that you must stay in the spirit and walk in the spirit. Jesus Christ told us that he will be with us, that he will comfort us, and that his spirit will give us the words to say in these times, in these hours when people try to question our faith and our belief concerning him being the son of God. His spirit will speak through us and he will give us the boldness and power to continue to walk in this life with the faith that we have, but we must earnestly fight for it. We must contend for it and not back down. We cannot waver. We cannot. The Lord has been uh, so faithful to us, so merciful to us by revealing this to us. The 20th century and the 21st century, God has just been showing his power through sending forth his spirit, through revealing the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, to now finally showing people who his son is. The father continues to provide his children with an understanding of the scriptures. We read in the word of God where Jesus had to open up his apostles understanding concerning the word of God. And that's what we need today for the Lord to open up our mind to his word, not to where we read the word and we see what we read and we deceitfully twist it and claim it's a revelation. But no, we need the understanding to properly understand what we read. The foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. The foundation of our faith is belief in him, is belief in God's son. That's the foundation of our faith. We cannot hop to the more advanced doctrines if we're simply stumbling 
in the basic doctrine of who Jesus Christ is. I used to focus on many different things. I used to focus on trying to explain spiritual warfare to people, which is very necessary. I used to try to jump to uh, trying to tell people about the gifts of the spirit. But how can I explain those things to you if you don't even understand who your savior is? How can I tell you the deeper things of God if we're simply struggling in understanding who his son is? Because if you don't know who his son is, then you don't know who he is. And who is the he? That's God. In order for you to know the father, you must know the son. And to know the son, you must know the father. Because if we know the son, then the son will reveal the father to us. The scripture teaches us that no man knoweth the father except the son and to whom he will reveal him to. So our belief and our confession concerning Jesus Christ being the Son of God, Him being our Lord, is not something that we hide, but we are to be bold. And trust me, there are many people that are contending for this faith that we don't know, that we never met. There are people that are contending for this truth that are in underground churches, that are in places that we probably never even heard about. Just from reading the scriptures and letting the Father open up their understanding to His Word. What matters is that now, Especially if you're listening to this episode and your ears are digesting this truth, even though you might claim that your spirit doesn't agree with it. Listen, if you have the spirit of God, your spirit will agree with the teachings concerning his son. And I'll say that and I'll say that again. If you have the spirit of God and you're listening to this and you claim that your spirit doesn't agree that Jesus Christ is the son of God, you better pray that you truly have the Holy Spirit because no spirit that is of God would disagree with the teaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. No man speaking by the Spirit can call Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And no man can say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God unless the Father reveals it to him. And you know why I say that? Go to Matthew chapter 16 and you'll see Jesus looked at Peter. After Peter said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to thee but my Father which is in heaven. So when you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that's a revelation from heaven. Glory to God. We have to rejoice and give God thanks for revealing this to us because we could have died in falsehood. Glory to God. So I want to bring your attention to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And I want to start at verse 7. The scripture says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. And I say the same thing. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. I want you to listen to this. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Before I uh, continue reading, I want you to look at verse 8. Remember how I stated that we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Paul said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Men today say that Jesus Christ didn't get up. Oh yes, there are teachings that come from the radical oneness sex that teach that the Son of God didn't get up. But Paul said that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, that flesh, that man, if we go to Romans chapter 1, Paul actually started his epistle by stating, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore 
by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So according to the flesh, God's son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, was made of the seed of David. So now he's saying that the son of God, which was made according to the flesh of the seed of David or was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. That's what we must be contending for. And once we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that's where I desire to go after reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to see something specific, how Paul teaches that God raised Jesus from the dead. I hear people today, especially on Easter Sundays, a lot of people say Jesus Christ getting up from the grave is proof that he was God. You just denied the Son and you just denied the Father because Jesus Christ being raised from the dead proved that he was God's anointed one, that he was his son, and that God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. God raised his son from the dead. Amazing. And I want you to pay attention to verse 9. Paul said, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. That's how we suffer trouble too. People give us trouble, call us an evildoer because we preach that Jesus Christ got up. We preach that God raised him from the dead. Glory to God. At verse 10, the scripture states, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Saints, listen to this. Paul said that, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. If we don't open up our mouths, if we don't declare the truth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that God has a son and his name is Jesus, if we don't declare that, then how can we say that other saints are going to hear the truth? We can't keep our mouth shut. Paul said that they may also obtain the salvation. We have to open up our mouth so that other believers, that other individuals, may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. How can they obtain salvation if they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can that preacher preach unless he is sent? Let's continue going at verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Listen to this. If we are dead with Christ, the him here is Christ. The scripture says we shall also live with him. At verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That's verse 12. If we deny Jesus, he will also deny us. Every time that we keep our mouth shut, every time that we are ashamed to be bold and open up our mouth about Jesus Christ being the son of God, we deny him and he will also deny us. Sometimes we have to understand that we have to ensure that we're led by the spirit especially with declaring Jesus Christ being the Son of God. We can't get in our flesh, and I made that mistake many times. I've made that mistake many times. So I want to ensure that the time is right, that the Spirit is leading me to talk to believers and unbelievers concerning God's Son, Jesus Christ. Every time that you hear a oneness person, a Jehovah Witness individual, or a Trinitarian make the statement of false profession concerning Jesus, we're quick to get in our flesh and say, oh no, that's wrong. Jesus is the son of God. We're quick to go on their social media posts and cower them down. But we have to be led by the spirit. Sometimes 
we have to build a friendship and a relationship with these individuals first. And then we can introduce them to our Savior, the true Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of the Nicene Creed. Not the Jesus of Sibelius. Not the Jesus of Tertullian. But the Jesus of the Holy Scriptures. The Scripture states at verse 14, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, at verse 15, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. At verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase with more ungodliness. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what we must do. We must rightly divide the word of truth. We have to rightly divide it according to the scriptures. So I actually want to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then I'll wrap up. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to pay attention to the word of God, and I want you to follow me in the scripture. So the scripture states, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received wherein ye stand. So the gospel which Paul preached unto them, which also ye have received, he's talking to the Corinthians, and wherein ye stand. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the gospel. That whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. At verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Pay attention to that. He said, so the gospel that Paul preached at verse 1, right? The gospel that he preached unto them, that they received, and wherein they stand. He said this, he said, you are saved by it. He, he said, by which also ye are saved, if, that's a conditional statement, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So we are saved if we keep in memory what Paul preached, what the apostles preached. They didn't preach different doctrines. They all preached the same thing. So Paul's gospel is the rest of the apostles gospel. They all preached Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, the man that God raised from the dead, the man that God anointed with the Holy Ghost, and the man that went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed with the devil. Why? Because God was with them. Paul preached that gospel too. Amen. In Acts chapter 9, we see that straightway Paul went and preached that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Paul did not preach another gospel like we see today. But Paul said that we are saved if we keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. And that's verse 2. So, we are saved if we keep in memory that which Paul preached unto the Corinthians, which also ye have received wherein ye stand. So, we are to keep in memory that which was preached, that faith. We are to earnestly contend for that faith. Why? Because we are saved by keeping in memory that gospel. That belief, that doctrine. That's how we are saved and that is how we stand. I hope that you're following me. 
at verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Check this out. So now Paul is saying that he delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Didn't I say that, brothers and sisters? How that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the seed of David, consists of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. And Paul is basically saying, look, I declare unto you, at verse 1, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand. But Paul is going to let us know what it is that they have received and wherein they stand and what it is that by which they are also saved if they keep in memory what i preached unto you unless you have believed in vain because check this out here is that gospel here is that truth here is that package at verse 3 he said for i delivered unto you first of all that which i also received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of cephas then of the twelve after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep after that, he was seen of James, then of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Then I want you to check this out at verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? At verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? At verse 15, yea. And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Glory to God. That's what we preach, that God raised Christ from the dead. That is what we preach, that God raised Christ from the dead. Because if God didn't raise Christ from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Your faith is in vain. But if God raised Christ from the dead, which he did, we have everything to gain. Us that believe in the resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. All glory to God, man. All glory to God. And I want to just drop down a few verses a bit. And I want to go to verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. At verse 21, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So in Christ all shall be made alive, but every man in his own order. 
Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. At verse 24, I want you to listen to this very carefully, and I'm not going to uh, go too deep on these following verses, but I want you to pay attention, and I want you to allow the Spirit of God to deal with you about these verses. So we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to begin at verse 24. The scripture states, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. He must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. At verse 28, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Isn't the Lord good? The Lord is wonderful. I thank you all for tuning in, and I truly pray that the saints that are abiding in this truth will contend for it, that they will walk in it, that they won't let the enemy uh, put doubt in their heart that this is a false doctrine. No, even the devil knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Don't be dismayed, brethren. Don't feel uh, unconfident in this doctrine. If God revealed to you who his Son is, that is more precious than riches. That's more precious than anything that this world could offer you. The knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. But thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Like I always say, I look forward to dropping more episodes. Continue to stay in the scriptures. Continue to stay uh, in the word of God, studying and showing yourself approved unto God. Brethren, until next time, be blessed and thank you for listening in the name of Jesus Christ.